Well, you got to wait a whole extra week for this second part of the sermon, Wait For It, which we've been going through the book of Habakkuk. No one likes waiting, right? No one likes to sit and wait for the next thing to happen. ABC News reported in 2012 that there was a man named Andrew Kahn who had called Qantas Airlines to confirm his flight from Adelaide, Australia to New York City. Well, as you've probably heard it in the past, they said, we will be with you as soon as possible. Well, he figured he was going to see how long that actually was going to be. So after two or three hours, he said, I'm going to ride this thing out. I'm going to see how long as soon as possible is, as, how long they're going to make me wait on this line. Well, he got on the phone at 7.22 p.m. Wednesday evening and finally hung up at 11.01 a.m. Thursday morning. He was on hold for 16 hours. During his wait, he surfed the internet, he caught up on some reading, he slept for a little while, but he never did speak to anyone on that call. And he placed a follow-up call to check his flight, and he did get through to somebody, but it was on that call that he found out that he had never been booked on the flight after all. (laughs) Waiting can be hard, right? And waiting can be frustrating. Last time we saw Habakkuk calling out to God after seeing the sin of Judah and the people around him and knowing that sin was hurting them. The leaders were perverse and the government was corrupt and the people had turned their backs on God. And he knew it was time for God to judge them, to call their hearts back to him. But when Habakkuk uh, got his answer from God that it was going to be Babylon that was going to judge Judah. And he had questions because Babylon was even more wicked than Judah was. Why would God let their sins slide, but judge the other, uh, the sins of the people of Judah? And he had questions. So Habakkuk took his questions to God and he walked up. The Bible tells us he walked up to a watchtower and he waited on God's answers. Habakkuk found out that God knows the future on that watchtower. He figured out that God's answers have a time and a season. And God told him not to give up on the waiting and to have faith. And after the waiting, God told Habakkuk that judgment was coming for the wicked Babylonians as well. See, God sees Habakkuk's faith in the whole next chapter, which this is amazing, right? The whole next chapter, God takes the time to explain to Habakkuk what the future of Babylon is going to be. And he, he, he doesn't just push him away because he has questions. He draws him in closer. And we're going to see in this next chapter these five woes that God gives to the people of Babylon. But first he describes the Babylonians a little bit. And it's a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. And we see that in chapter 2, verse 4. It says, but his soul is puffed up. It's not upright within him. Here we go again. It says, the righteous, though, will live by his faith. It says, moreover, the wine is a traitor and an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. 
He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. He tells us here that the wicked are arrogant and drunken and they have this insatiable greed, always wanting more, never satisfied, taking what they want from people. But the righteous instead will live by faith. God assures Habakkuk that he knows what the Babylonians are doing. And he sees their sin. And he knows that they look invincible right now, but they will feel the consequences of their sin. We see the Babylonians' uh, wickedness described in chapter 2 with five different types of sin that God highlights for Habakkuk. And each of these sins starts with the word woe. This word can also be translated as aha. God is emphasizing that those that mock him will be mocked. The first woe is in chapter 6, and it talks about unjust financial practices motivated by greed. Whether that's by literal stealing or it talks about taking advantage of those people that are less fortunate by predatory lending practices. Greed is running rampant in Babylon with no thought to the people that are hurt in the process. That's the first woe. Woe to Babylon for their greed. The second woe is in verse 9, and it's false security. This person takes the money that they've got unjustly, and they hide it in a nest to deliver them from a calamity one day. They put their safety in uh, money rather than in God's hands. They have faith in their bank accounts that that's what will save them. And it says, woe to those who trust in money. Verse 12 is the third woe. And it's violence. Specifically, the abuse of slaves is what he highlights. The Babylonians had built their empire on the backs of innocent people. The blood, sweat, and tears of slaves had built their country, and they would face judgment for this. The fourth woe is debauchery in verse 15. That's the celebrating of drunkenness and perversion that was common in this land, and the consequences would come. And then the last woe is idolatry in verse 19. Idolatry is simply the worship of any created thing. That's an idol. When we worship it and we give it more weight in our life than it's supposed to have, it's an idol. And idols demand sacrifices. We can make people idols, jobs idols. Our own family can become an idol if we give our whole life and find our worth in it. Our country can become an idol if we're more devoted and invested in it than our God. Social media can become an idol if we crave attention from people more than we crave that time with God. Humans have the distinct ability to make anything an idol. We can make silliest things in the world idols. That's the fifth woe is idolatry. Greed and false security and violence and debauchery and idolatry. We see here two countries, right? We see the country of Judah. You know, these people, God's chosen people. And we see Babylon. But at this time, both are corrupt and wicked. Yes, one used to serve and follow God, but the other has never followed God. And I'm sure Habakkuk had noticed some similarities between the sins of Babylon and the sins of Judah. 
And he wanted to believe that they weren't as bad as Babylon. But see, the truth is, is that every country and every human system becomes like Babylon at some point. Because humans always drift and tend towards their flesh and themselves. For Babylon, this started back at the Tower of Babel, believing that they could get to God uh, without him, get to heaven without him. We know that Judah does fall to Babylon, and God had called them to himself over and over and over again, but eventually he gave them over to their own sin. Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Habakkuk all prophesied that Babylon, though, would fall one day for standing against God. And you're going to see as you read through God's word that this idea of Babylon being the picture of the enemies of God is throughout the Bible. Babylon is a picture of those structures and systems that push us away from him and stand opposed to God. Babylon the Great is a common character in the book of Revelation. It's a picture of a woman beautifully dressed in all the finest things, jewels and silks and pearls. She has a golden cup in her hand full of sin and adultery and perversion. Now, the literal Babylon does fall to Persia in 539 B.C. And one day, Jesus will defeat the metaphorical Babylon forever. We see this in Revelation 18, verse 4, the last book of the Bible. Since then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, Give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will burn up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who judged her, and the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand afar off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. We see these people and these rulers of the earth weeping because the system that they were so entrenched in has fallen. And any institution that follows the woes of Babylon, greed and false security and violence and debauchery and idolatry will fall as well. The prince of this world thinks he has won, but Christ is coming back and will one day defeat sin and death and shame and guilt forever. Wait for it. When it seems like the wicked are prospering, wait for it. When it seems like there is no hope, wait for it. When it seems like God isn't listening, wait for it. Jesus wins in the end. And until then, make sure you are not getting caught up in Babylon. 
Remember, you are strangers and foreigners and immigrants in this world. This world is not your home. Don't get comfortable. We're just passing through. Philippians 3.20 tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't get tied in too much to this world. It's going to hold you back from what God wants you to do. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Remember, the things of this world that are going to pull at you are things that are going to distract you. Don't get tied down. You are a sojourner. You're passing through this world. Hebrews 13, 14 tells us, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. It's hard to remind our hearts that we are made for another world and a better country. Our souls will outlast all the cares of this world. And Jesus went to prepare a place for us. He is coming again. And when evil seems to win, wait for it. The righteous will live by faith. God loves the people of this world more than we ever could. And God told Habakkuk to have faith that he would deal with evil and wickedness will be punished and he will save his people. After bringing his questions to God and waiting and getting an answer, Habakkuk lifts up a prayer of praise in chapter 3. He basks in the awe of who God is and in his power. Habakkuk praises the might of God, that he is stronger than raging rivers and mountains scatter when he wishes. And he is brighter than the sun and the moon and the stars and the sun. They wait on him. And at the beginning of this realization, Habakkuk has about how big and mighty God is. He says these four words. He says, in wrath, remember mercy. He knows that the sin of Judah cannot go unpunished. And he says, in wrath, remember mercy. He begs for mercy for those that would repent. He has compassion on these people. He wants mercy for them. And as we, as foreigners and sojourners in this world, look around at the people that maybe are mocking God and have turned their backs against God, sometimes we can get tempted to get angry at them. But here, Habakkuk gives us an example that we should have that same stance. God, I know that these people that mock you will face the consequences, but God, I pray that they turn to you before it's too late so that they can taste of your wonderful mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk is still disappointed that he from the answer that he got from God. I'm sure when he first went to talk about Judah's sin, what he wanted to see, what he was hoping God would do was make the people of Judah repent and take the forgiveness that God extends. But God requires that we each come willingly. Many times we don't. Habakkuk has accepted that Judah deserves the consequences of their actions and that although Babylon may be worse, God would still use Babylon to judge 
Judah. But Babylon's sins would not go unpunished. Christ will defeat every form and spirit of Babylon once and for all very soon. The end of this book of Habakkuk leaves us with Habakkuk waiting again. This time in sadness and anticipation of the fall of this place that he loves called Judah. But he still has hope. And when the fear and doubt comes back, he reminds his heart that the, the, just, uh, the righteous must live by faith. We see that at the end of the chapter in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16. He says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet, I will quietly wait. For the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. With all these terrible things, famine and, and hardship come, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Maybe you have questions today. Habakkuk is a whole picture of why we should take our questions to God. Take them to him and wait. It may not be the answer you want may not be the answer you were looking for, but know that God's ways are higher than your ways. And his th thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God is good and God is in control. And in the waiting, be careful. Humans have a distinct ability to make an idol out of anything. Be careful that your heart's not fallen into idolatry. Remind your heart that you are a foreigner, an immigrant, a sojourner, an exile in this world. And that every human system, every country becomes like Babylon at some point because humans' hearts always drift towards their flesh and themselves. And any institution that follows the woes of Babylon, of greed and false security and violence and debauchery and idolatry will fall as well. Make sure you're constantly untangling your heart from Babylon because Babylon will fall. Jesus will win the victory and our home is in a better country. And until then, make sure you're not getting caught up in Babylon. Remember, you are strangers and foreigners and immigrants in this world. This world is not your home. You're just passing through. Today we see the destructive power of sin. We see this punishment that comes on these people because they've turned their back on God. But Jesus took the punishment that we deserved for our wickedness once and for all. And we don't have to face the judgment of God's holiness today because he took initiative and he sent Jesus to stand in our place. And we have hope today because of 
Jesus. So have hope. Even when things are dark, have hope. Even when things don't make sense, when the things that you love are are crashing down and when you're uncomfortable and you don't understand and you're confused, instead of getting angry at all the things that are changing, have hope. Victory is coming. Wait for it. Every head's bowed and eyes closed. Habakkuk is not a fun book necessarily to study and look at. We would much rather serve the God that is a lot more like the genie in Aladdin who always gives us the answer we want and just grants all our wishes. But in that scenario, we're the God and God is just a servant that serves us. See, the God of the universe created everything, made everything. And his ways are so much bigger than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher. He sits outside of time and watches it from beginning to end simultaneously. He knows everything. He's all powerful. He's everywhere at once. He is holy. He is just. And you know what that means? Is sometimes the things that you want are not going to be the things that God wants. And that's okay. Because I'm not God. He's God. And even when it hurts, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we lose someone that we just don't understand why them, we always got to fall back. And that God is good. God is in control. And all hurt and pain is a direct result of sin. And one day, Jesus will defeat sin once and for all. And until then, have hope. Because there's coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tear to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. Have hope. Maybe you're here today, listening online. You're not sure that Jesus has paid the price of your sin. You've never asked him. You've never thought about it, heard about it. You believe in God, but Maybe you haven't taken that leap to become a Jesus follower. See, the Bible tells us that sin separates us from God. The wages of our sin is death, and that's a separation. It's more than a physical death. Happened all the way back at the beginning. And over and over again, we have chosen our way over God's way. We've lied, cheated, thought wicked thoughts, said wicked things. And because of that sin, we cannot uh, have a relationship with a holy God. But God made a way. And that way is Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. He came and 
walked among us 2,000 years ago, born of a virgin, lived a perfect and a holy life, and then Jesus died in our place so that an innocent person could die for all of us guilty people. Then he rose again on the third day, defeating sin, death, and the grave once and for all forever. The Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's you putting your faith and your trust. No amount of good that you've ever done, no good deeds or awards or any of that kind of stuff, realizing that none of that is worth anything and believing in your heart that what Jesus did on the cross is all you need to get to God. You could call out to God right now with something like this. Words aren't important. Not a magic prayer. Change them up if you need to fit your situation. But you could call out to God right now. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. God, forgive me. Turning from my sin morning. You made that choice. You wasn't, weren't playing games with God. You made that choice once and for all and you were genuine about it. Before you hand in your connection card, please write, I chose Jesus on the bottom. If it's those of you online, just reach out to uh, the Clarksburg Baptist Church message on Facebook. Just say that. We'd love to follow up with you and talk to you about what you did and, and, and what's next. Because that's the greatest thing you could ever do. Dear Jesus, we love you. God, these last two years have been time after time of confusion and uh, not understanding why things are going on or what's happening. Or God, it's been a time of struggle. And if we over these past years haven't taken our questions to you, haven't taken them to you, and haven't pushed ourselves deeper into you, God, I'm sure there are, are people that are hopeless and depressed and anxious because they've got questions, but they don't want to take them to God. They feel like they're going to get judged. Or... God, I pray that you would draw them to you right now. Those online, those in person, God, I pray that you would help them to ask those questions and wait on the answers and then to accept that after all the hurt and the pain and the confusion that ultimately you are good and you are in control God draw us near to you encourage the broken hearted in your name we pray amen